Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and I reckon we're up to episode 188, where I had a chat with the Wellington-based actor Simon Leary. He's one of the um, he's one of the the new young breed at Circa Theatre, one of the mainstays, um, and I've watched his work over the last two or three years and been amazed. I think he's a fantastic actor. Uh, he does comedy brilliantly. He does drama. I mean, you know, obviously this is what actors do, but. Um, yeah, he does it all very well. I, I, I think um, from when I first saw him, I was amazed by his talent. So I'd always wanted to meet him and have a chat to him. And I've uh, been thinking about the timing of it, been uh, waiting until something came up. And then a publicist contacted me and said, um, would you like to talk to Simon Leary for your po- podcast? And I was like, absolutely, he's on my list. Well, he's got a, he's in a show at Circa that opens uh, this weekend, uh, 12th of October, called Cock. And so we talk about that. But we talk about... Everything that's got him to the dance, uh, growing up in Timaru, moving to Wellington for drama school, and then the jobs that he's had to do to move into being a professional actor. He's also uh, a writer, and he is he is co-writing with Gavin Rutherford, a previous podcast guest, the pantomime for Circa for this Christmas, which is Alice in Wonderland, and the pantomime is obviously a, a family favourite, a, a staple at Circa Theatre. So we talk about all of these things, comedy, writing, acting, how you put it all together, and it was just really, really great to meet him and to get um, to get his story and some of his thoughts. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you do too. Um, my thanks, as always, to Yeasty Boys, Tea Leaf Tea and La Petite Chocolat. This is me talking with Wellington actor Simon Leary. Your work and you've seen me. Yeah, yeah. Is that? I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Like I've. Um, this is the first time we've met, but I guess over probably nearly three years now, I've been watching you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a weird way to phrase it. I've been watching you, but I've been watching you on stage, doing your job. Yeah, yeah. And I've been reading your stuff, and mo- more recently, I think, yeah, one of us must have added each other. The, yeah, the other yeah, on yeah, Facebook. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I love. Um, Basically everything you post, I'm just, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm just like liking it and yeah. um, occasionally screenshotting and sending it to my dad. <laughs> oh, good. So, yeah, so good content. Good, good. And now, well, I, I really don't know anything about you beyond yeah, beyond the things that I will have seen on your Facebook page and and watching you do your work as an actor. So I want to know uh, all sorts of things about that. And I have talked to a few people that are heavily involved in circa and, and acting and stuff and I like talking about that those processes but but first of all I want to know where you came from in terms of where you grew up and, and how you came to acting okay um, yeah so I, I'm, I'm from Timaru originally which um, yeah was two hours south of Christchurch for those that don't know um, and yeah it's kind of a small town-ish of uh, 30,000 I grew up in a, a family my mum's a um, well, she was a, a primary school teacher. I occasionally had her as a teacher myself, and um, she's now moved into um, special needs teaching. And uh, my dad owned a sports shop, and uh, yeah, my was it one of those hybrid small town sports shops that also had like you could post a letter there? Or uh, we had we <laughs> had um, an engravers out the back, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah so yeah, that, yeah. that was our kind of main thing. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I just yeah, always I think hybrid. that's such a brilliant New Zealand thing. I'm, I'm I was obsessed with 
um, visiting Gisborne and going to Guy and Dunsmore sport, uh, sports scene, yeah, sports shop, and you walked in and you walked through the shop and looked at the cricket bats and whatever, yeah. and then there was a ranch slider that you opened and it became Guy and Dunsmore sound scene and it was a full music shop. Great. <laughs> and I was just obsessed with that. I just thought, yeah. I, you know... We did have tricky things, like, because um, all of us, I'm the youngest of four as mm. well, um, and so we all worked there throughout our years as well, but we, mm. there was tricky elements to the shop where it's like, oh, and also we do fishing licenses, <laughs> yeah. and also yeah. you can book a batch <laughs> through this book. Um, yeah, so there was yeah. a lot of things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, like my, my siblings all got into sport to different degrees, and... Um, uh, it never sort of appealed to me so much, like mm. yeah, the idea of getting up at like nine in the morning on a Saturday and going and playing, standing on a field with a hockey stick and getting hit in the shins and stuff. <laughs> so why does anyone do this? And the, yeah, I don't it's know. A good question. Yeah, but there's the competitive element as yeah. well, where where I was just like, ah, oh, can't we all just be friends? Yeah, <laughs> I was obsessed with Saturday morning sport, playing it, mm. and now as a parent. I'm just thrilled that my kid's not interested in it. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't want to be... It sounds awful. Of course I would do it if he was yeah. into it. And we've just started having some conversations about cricket because he's got a little bit more interested in that through school. But he's genuinely not interested. He's into music and acting and dancing yeah. and singing. And he does go to a, a class on Saturday morning. So that's kind of like his sport. Yeah. But I'm just like, man, well, my parents my parents were, were absolute... Saints for standing there in the pissing rain. Oh. I, I'd sometimes play four games in one day. Like I was, yeah. I was good. So I started. I was too good to play for just my primary team. So I started playing for the intermediate team as well afterwards. And then wow. when I was in high school, I played for the men's team. Yeah. So they had whole days based around watching me play fucking sport. It's full on it. It's yeah. crazy. I mean, well, yeah. All, all my siblings are parents now as well, and I just get it's the sacrifices <laughs> you make for yeah. your kids. Are yeah. Insane. Yeah. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not prepared to make that, that sacrifice. Yeah. I'm hoping I don't <laughs> yeah, have to. But you know, if he goes into the arts, that'll be a whole other kid. Well, he's, as far as he's concerned, he's already in the arts. Great. You know, he's already yeah. writing movies. and He's great. Yeah. I've, I've read some of his reviews. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. right. He's writing reviews. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and so, so yeah, my... Um, well, luckily, my parents never had the problem of me being too good at sports, so they, <laughs> they didn't have to stick around. Yeah. But like, and they were also amazing. Like, it was not, never something that they crazy pushed. I think maybe Dad would have liked if I got more interested and involved. But um, yeah, we ended up um, forming more of a relationship around um, comedy and like, yeah, we. Um, we both got really into the program The Office. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, the UK one. Yeah, and yeah, just like constant, constantly quote it and just watch and rewatch episodes. So that became a lovely bonding thing for us. Whereas, what about the American Office? Um, uh, we didn't get into that together. I I waited a few years and then I'm gave, just watching it now. Yeah, I gave it a good go. Yeah. I'm th- kind of into it. Yeah, now. like at the time I, I watched the first two or three seasons and went, you know, this is going somewhere but I just don't care yeah and left alone and I'm just watching it right now and yeah. I'm really into it it's, <laughs> it's so yeah and it is a different just thing a different like, thing yeah. yeah you've just got to not like mm. hold them up next to each yeah, other yeah it almost so needs a different name they've like, got the yeah. same starting point yeah that's right the first that. season is yeah a copy and I think that's what put a lot of people off yeah but I like that um I get yeah it's like the Simpsons as well mm. where they where they build on the 
community of the mm, like it's not mm. just like it's very much an ensemble show and there's yeah. so much more evident in the American office as opposed to the yeah. UK one is kind of the David Brent show really. yeah big time yeah and it is great yeah oh yeah yeah it's influential hilarious yeah yeah, dad, yeah yeah dad actually sent me an old clip from it this morning um and yeah we were just <laughs> dissecting the elements of it that we liked yeah. so much and how it's how it held up so well so you were happy in Timaru yeah, I think kids, so. Because kids are happy wherever they are. Exactly. Right? I, I have no frame know. of reference. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So when did you get one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm quite inter- uh, You know, I'm asking that because I, I, I don't know much about Timaru, but I know mm-hmm. an extraordinary, for a small place, it seems to have produced a lot of really creative people. Yeah, yeah. Really well, talented. I mean, I guess every place does, but mm. I'm just thinking, like, man, there's a lot, I know a lot of successful, talented, creative people that have started their life in Timaru. Yeah, and I and don't... Then, and then moved. <laughs> I don't really know how to explain that for mm. other people, but, mm. I mean, I can certainly go down my own route, which mm. is... So I went to an all-boys high school, which, again, the um, the focus was very much on sport, which I think, in a way, it sort of worked to my advantage was because any time there was something that came up in the arts, like a school production or theatre sports or whatever, anybody that was, like, really into it in a big way, like I was just got so much attention and so you just constantly got to work on it and um yeah and and thanks thanks to the passionate teachers as well for creating opportunities but i'd go out to like the court theater in christchurch and do their theater sports competitions and um and yeah get involved in local productions and people were just so stoked that a young man Mm. was doing theater in this uh town and so yeah you got a lot of attention and then that meant that you could really build on um well i wouldn't have called it my craft at the time but Mm. yeah you still see it a bit though like uh, i went to oscar's school production a couple of weeks ago and you know, it's primary school, but as they got, like, the last few years, the older kids a year, whatever, four, five, six, they, like, they have things like dance classes, and it's, you're still like, oh, where's the guy? Mm. A little bit, you know, and there'd be, and then one or two of the guys came into the dance group as as the dance progressed, and they were really good. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like they were awkward and forced to do it. They were really, really good. But, yeah, it's still that case, I think, at school... Yeah. A little bit that, you well, know. That's it. Yeah, just like having having that license to give it a go, and mm. and being able to have people around you that can pick up on it when you do have a passion. There, mm. and um, yeah. So like, if if I had different parents, then maybe they would have just kept on going. No sport, sport, sport. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, yeah, everyone was very excited by yeah. my passion and and helped me. Um, realize that as a dream yeah. so what else are you kind of interested in when you're a kid like what are you what are the things that you know are you a big reader are you big yeah i was you know, a, i things? was a big reader i'm not now oddly um but yeah i was obsessed with a um a book series called animorphs um which was a group of teenagers that could turn into animals like it had a lovely sci- science element of it mm, as well that mm. used the opportunity like every book was a different animal so you'd learn a lot more about the instincts of that um I was really big into television. Like I just sit in front of TV all the time. Um, I I played like imaginary games with mm. my friends until probably it was too too late to be doing that. I, I don't know because of society's <laughs> yeah. positions on me. But yeah, um, yeah I loved um, 
Yeah. Always love pretending I was someone else. It was like it was kind of like a building a big improv game, really. Like we would have superpowers and run around and um, it, it, like the stories would get very elaborate. Like mm. the the baddies that we'd have to defeat and. Um, and of course, everything you're describing is now what you do. Yeah, like, I'm still. Okay. <laughs> that's what you do. I, I, I like. found a way to just yeah. legitimize buying for a living. When did you? When do you go? When does that become? You know, anywhere in your mind is I'm going to keep doing this, and with a view to yeah, maybe not doing it full time, but mm. with a view to it being in your life as being on a stage. Yeah, it, t- it took me ages, honestly. Like. Um, I think I'd had it in my mind. I was like, "Oh, this is a great hobby that I'll have for the yeah. rest of my life." Like, um, yeah. But so I went to university with the view that I was going to um, end up being a teacher. Um, I think I I just like the and idea. And university is where uh, Otago University. Yeah. So this is that's where you leave tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's like all of my siblings went there before me. My mum and dad met in Otago. Yeah, right. So I think there was this sort of thing of like. An expectation. Yeah. Just in all likelihood. Yeah, 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 I'll end up there and then I'll figure out what I want to do. And so that's still close to home, so you can do visits and... Yeah, so I'd go back and work in Dad's shop over the uh, holidays. Yeah, sort out uh, some fishing licenses. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, so I had this odd idea. I mean, at boys' high school, I was kind of... I was good at maths and English, and so I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll be a maths or English teacher. Um, And... Yeah, and so then went to university. I was like, oh, I'll just do some theatre studies papers on the side because I love theatre. Um, and then, like, quickly discovered that I wasn't very good at maths or English. It was just that I was the best in my class, mm. which, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> and, then, and then as well, like, I didn't have a massive passion for them. So yeah. um, it just theatre studies took precedence hugely, and I'd just mm. not go to lectures for maths and English. And... Um, yeah, and then I did a lot of uh, capping shows. So, um, capping shows are the uh, a capping review, mm. um, which is sketch comedy, and you get a huge. There's a, like a cast of twenty. It's kind of a cult, really. Like yeah, <laughs> a cast yeah. of twenty, and you turn up like four days a week, and you're writing sketches as a team, and you're um, you know putting them up in front of each mm. other, reading them. Um, just riffing on what's relevant at the time and um like roger hall used to write them back mm, in the day mm, in otago mm. and uh, like some of his kind of structure has bled through and um yeah he would do them as pantomimes and then it would be so basically snl respect. for the artists yeah <laughs> you know, and it was, and it, was it. it was such a high and it was so well attended by fellow students mm. so you felt kind of like a celebrity as mm, well which mm. you know is not necessarily my experience <laughs> now that I'm a professional actor, yeah. because um, a lot of our, um, for, certainly uh, at Circa, a lot of our audience is older, um, mm. though of course we're trying to switch that around, and there's plenty of theatre for um, young people as well. But mm. um, yeah, it was cool just having all of your peers just like cracking up at the stuff you're doing. and um, So yeah, I, that's kind of where I learned to hone my writing and... Um, Honed my improv and honed my comedy and um, and made amazing friends who were again very supportive of me and then and if it wasn't for a lot of those people going like you should do this as a career like constantly I guess mm. I just had this what cognitive dissonance or something that that I was just like oh no you can't I had I had no idea I didn't know you could make a career I didn't mm. know somebody like me could make a, a career out of it so. 
yeah, it took a lot of persuading by amazing people being like, you should do something with this. And um, yeah, and so I got to the point like, oh shit, I want to be an actor. And um, yeah, like my ex at high school had gone like, back in the day, wanted to be a, uh, an actor. So she was like, I'm going to audition for Toy Fikari. And so I was like, yeah, that's... Um, that's where you've got to go if you want to be a professional actor. I'm like, oh god, I've got to do another three years of study if I get in. Mm. And um, yeah, was fortunate enough to get in. And um, I was actually on the wait list first of all. But by that stage, I'd made a decision. I wanted to be an actor, so I was going to move up to Wellington anyway. And then um, somebody dropped out, so I got into Toy Fikari, New Zealand Drum School on the wait list. And um, yeah, that was three years of study. And you've been here ever since, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, and so, I mean, I've talked to a few people that have been involved with Toy Fikari over the years, um, both people that have gone through it and people that have taught there. Um, so what what was overall your experience? Like, is it... It was, it was a massive shock, I think, going from how university works compared yeah. to Toy, because, man, it's like, you know, university... You get a lot of opportunity to sleep in late yes, and have yeah. a big drink. You almost and, choose your own hours. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And um, yeah, and so I think I was expecting something similar, and then, <laughs> <laughs> then turn up, and you get the schedule, and it's actually like nine till five. Yeah. Monday to Friday, like eight thirty till six. Some days. I had um, the exact same thing going from university to journalism school. Right. And just thinking and, and and pulling out of journalism school as a result. Yeah. But. You know, not realising that 8 o'clock till 4 was Monday to Friday was how they were going to run it. Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, this doesn't work for me. No, yeah. There's some <laughs> so you stuck there. at it, though. You, you, yeah, you know, yeah. I realised you had like, to. I guess this is my yeah. life now. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it, like, there's, there's a huge value in doing that. You're mm. certainly immersing yourself in it. And, again, you're with a big group of people who are passionate about this Like-minded. thing. Like-minded. Yeah, and so it can't help but lift you up. Yeah. Um, yeah, like there's there's things like um, occasionally like a power imbalance maybe with tutors. Um, well, that was the thing as well. I think mm. going from university where you're very much treated like you're adults, you're um, mm. you're kind of in charge of your own learning. It felt a little bit sometimes like going back to primary school and um, the teacher has the idea and is yeah, going to give yeah. it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, rather than you know sort of presenting a, mm. a lot of ideas or try it this way and um, yeah, the, some of the thinking I was like, oh, I feel a bit patronised here. Mm. Um, yeah, so but then like there's some incredible t- teachers there as well, which is like let's take everything you have and build on it and you know, um, figure out your weaknesses and, mm. um, and things, whereas other tutors could get really hung up on your weaknesses and then you'd, you'd walk away going, oh, I'm just, I'm the worst, I'm, I'm the worst actor. So, yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a balance, but also, honestly, probably a good prep for the industry as well. You've got to learn to be mm. resilient and trust in yourself and um, back yourself. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think any job that I've had in the arts has been as hard as those three years. Mm, 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 <laughs> so, mm. yeah, there's that. And then, so what do you do, like, what do you do around that? Do you, are you you're full-time doing that? Mm. And what sort of opportunities present themselves for you to act outside of study? Yeah, so I, I 
didn't really at yeah, all. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I was because I going into it the first year I was um, naive as to the expectations yeah. of the school on me. I signed myself up to this like a bunch of old mates from the camping show. We got together and did a sketch comedy show, but I was just like, oh, I can't do this again. Um, in the third year, they there's a secondment opportunity, um, so students can figure out where, in what direction they want to go to, and they pursue certain things. So I got involved with um, uh, Adam Donald, um, was a, a theatre maker based in Wellington at the time, and um, yeah, I got involved in his production of Goldilocks and the Three Queers, um, which was up and like kind of. My, I had a very gay last year of um, uh, Toy Ficardi. It was like, oh, just why don't we have more gay theatre? And um, yeah, I want to go down that road. I want to make gay theatre. Like, what's the theatre that I would have liked to have seen as a young person? Um, and so, yeah, I got involved in this production and it was great. It was an awesome devising process and um, working with fun people. And that actually led to my first year out of Toy going to the States. They had a, um, a picnic theatre festival in Colorado and um, yeah because this dude uh, Stuart Hanloff um, used to do the director's course at Toy Ficati, so there was this this cool marriage here and that yeah it was just an opportunity that I never would have seen myself doing something like that. Mm. But, yeah I, um, I worked in a shoe store because the, the, mm. through dad I'd learned mm. retail techniques but, mm. I then, then learnt that was a good way of learning. I hated that, and so it was a good um, fuel for me to go. The motivation to yeah, make the, it work. The more that I can, yeah, get money to do what I love. And, and so, what what has that? That's what I'm kind of interested in. I, uh, you know, what what has that meant in terms of um, what sort of? Um, not really looking for horror stories as such, mm. but what sort of jobs have you? chosen to do slash had to do to be a professional actor um yeah <laughs> because I hear you know I know you know I know of actors that have done things like um go into boardrooms and do like training uh, yeah. you know simulated yeah. work experience training like and, and even shooting training videos and things oh, like that yeah was that Sophie Hamilton was talking uh, about she was talking about that yeah, but I've talked to a couple of others yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um I <laughs> Uh, I did a thing um, training uh, the warehouse um, employees in a Love Your Customer campaign. So mm. it was something that the improvisers set up. The improvisers are part yes. of um, the pro actors um, yeah. that sort of, that, that, the pro actors are my agent. Um, and so I got involved through that. But it's like still the best money I've had mm, mm. Uh, for working in a kind of theatre-y type thing. I mean, yeah, corporate money. What's mm. his name? Tim... Tim Gordon, yeah, yeah. Tim Gordon. I went to... Years ago, I went to a, a university friend's wedding. Mm. Um, and they were... I, basically, I was surprised that I was invited. You know, like I was... They weren't close, close friends, but yeah. they'd been part of the, the gang, and I think they must have been looking to have some seat fillers. And so I was in there. But... Um, they next thing halfway through the drinks these wedding gate crashes turned up and it was the improvisers and it was Tim Gordon <laughs> so they were paid to pretend to be yeah. wedding crashes 
and I hadn't seen anything. You know, it was it was extraordinary because my first thought was this is kind of naff, yeah, like you yeah. know, because it was quite strange and it, it didn't feel in keeping with the people that were having the uh, <laughs> like. How did they arrive at that? They weren't. What I'm saying is they weren't. You know, actors or theatery yeah, yeah. people. So I was like, how the fuck has this got across the line? But the <laughs> the people in it, and so I later found out it was Tim Gordon. And I can't remember who else, but they were fucking great. Like yeah, they yeah. won me, you know. That I was won over with them once I knew what was going on. Yeah. And and just decided, oh well, who who cares how this has happened? It's happening. Yeah. It was actually Get fucking great. Yeah, I was totally on board with it, and I remember, sort of, they stayed in character and just lurked for, for ages, and it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that was kind of my experience of this warehouse <laughs> gig as well. Mm. It was sort of like people come in with these sceptical looks on their faces just going like what is this going to be I'd I'd actually rather be at work right now rather than sort of um, I don't know allow your permission to perform at me but yeah they quickly get on board and you know if you've got that right kind of sparkle behind your eye and they're they're willing to concede a little bit then it was actually a really fun job I got to I, I learned a lot, I think, yeah, in terms yeah. of like, presentation and um, being more articulate, I think, as well, was a big thing. And there's something about, um, you know, and I've, I've had it in terms of um, a few little things, like playing records in bars and playing in bands and even doing, like, some, some spoken word poetry type stuff, performance. There's something about that idea of trying to win people over like actually yeah. knowing because when you're in a production now circuit you i imagine you're not actually pinpointing someone in the crowd and going that person doesn't look like they're into it i'm gonna make them into it but yeah, yeah. but in that scenario you're talking about like that training thing mm. there is that i think there is that kind of fire in the performer yeah. to go you need them to come on board yeah, yeah yeah and you're gonna it's your job to help get them on i mean i remember a few years ago you've just reminded me a few years ago what uh being on the other side of that being working for a company that got in some coaching woman to talk you know talk us through all this stuff and she did this first session and then she introduced this actor it was a guy from australia and she's like "Uh, this is this guy's going to be helping me today and he's such and such and he sort of you know came out with a big comedy over the top cherry wave and went you know i'm this is who i am and i've been in you know, whatever, Blue Heelers and Shark in the Park and, you know, all the sort of, all the kind of TV drama of the 80s and 90s, he started listing all his credits and we were all just sitting there groaning going, okay, so what the fuck? But then he launched into this stuff and obviously used his his great improv and uh, background and and trained skills to create these legitimate role-playing scenarios mm. after lunch he'd completely checked out it was an amazing experience after lunch his energy was sapped and i thought like here is this husk of an actor that's like yeah. why that you know i might be getting paid a few hundred bucks to do this and that's better than you know what i'm going to get for the mm. whole season of <laughs> what i'm doing somewhere else but he looked like a broken like i watched oh, the whole no. arc of it yeah. <laughs> sort of yeah. unfold in one day oh, like God. he was just kind of like get me to the airport i need to get the fuck out of here yeah. but he for the first couple of hours he was amazing yeah you see the the gold that <laughs> sparked him in his early yeah, days yeah 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 <laughs> i think yeah i i'd certainly i could sort of go back to um you know why why i enjoy performing and things i think um yeah a big part of me is really wanting to put everyone in the room mm. at ease mm. and i think that's um because i was always a relatively shy person growing up but that 
I would um, yeah. watch people and, um, yeah, I, I think developed a sense of humour mm. relatively early on and um, I got a lot of joy from making people laugh and diffusing situations and, um, yeah. And I'll never, I mean, I, I never understand this because, you know, I've talked to loads of people about this and it comes up all the time that I was a, I was a relatively shy person or mm. I still am a, a relatively shy person. I t- what is it about makes people go into yeah. areas of work like you've gone into, you know, into yeah. actual performance? Because you saying, you know, making people laugh and, you know, diffusing situations, that, that takes a lot of confidence. Mm. That actually takes a lot of um, strength in a way to do that. And I don't always associate that with a shy person. <laughs> but, yeah. but that story is so common. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I suppose... The, um, maybe extroverts have the tendency mm. to sort of plough through a room and then mm. an introvert will pick up the pieces. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, wanting to make everybody happy. and um, Yeah, and there's also, like, I play extroverts in shows. Mm. And so there's a huge power in getting to pretend for a bit. Like, you, you, you go and you learn all the lines and here's this sort of beautifully crafted script and I can stand up there and stand tall and mm. take charge of a room and order people around and... Um, yes. And are you saying that when you take those clothes off at the end of a night? Well, I, I th- I'm more saying that um, it's very, uh, it, it's fun to pretend to be yeah. an extrovert for a bit. But yeah, then then of course yeah, then you get to you take the mask off and sink back into yourself and <laughs> watching Office reruns. Yeah. And- <laughs> Sharing clips with your dad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just interesting to me. I mean, I, I just recently I interviewed Paula Penfold, who I think is the country's best investigative reporter mm. and journalist, and she's, you know, fronted camera for years. And she's like, she starts off, I'm basically a shy person. And it's just like, yeah. how is that possible? Like, uh, you know. Yeah, how, things like this, like this interview, I'm just going, oh, shit, how do I go and try and be interesting and funny for an hour? Like, Well, I'm not going to do that thing that comedians get, which is, you know, tell us a joke, be funny, yeah, it's yeah. awful. I'm that not going to do that. Right. But yeah. but I was interested in you saying, talking about a sort of comedy background, a love of comedy mm. and, and doing the skit stuff, because I think that I, I've certainly seen that go through your work like you're you're like a pig and shit during the pantomime <laughs> season but not just that like there are you know lots of the roles that you've done as you say quite big extroverted characters mm. and it's interesting like some actors are very good at reading the lines and making the lines work that's kind of a job requirement yeah. and so the lines are funny like yeah. some comedy comes from in theatre some comedy comes from the playwright mm. but there's certainly something an actor has to bring to that as well and I've always sort of thought about that with your work I'm like here's a, here's a person who's clearly done some improv done some right. you know done some comedy work of some kind because yeah. you kind of get the comedy of a situation you know the comedy of a situation outside of what's on the paper yeah yeah I think I think I do too yeah mm. I think that comes a lot from um, from as you say starting out and mm. start doing a lot of sketch comedy whereas like or just watching a lot of comedy too yeah, like, you know, yeah. like that, that picking up on timing right like totally just, yeah, yeah it must just filter in yeah and, and then you've constantly got you know social situations where you're unconsciously practicing it as well Mm-mm. um 
but yeah. Uh, but you mentioned The Simpsons. I mean, I think yeah. like The Simpsons is one of the great comedic forces and and training grounds for for writers, for performers, for for just people. Mm wanting to share funny memes online or whatever totally, you know yeah. like it's all, it's all there in the best episodes of that yeah and I was like I'm, I was right at the age where what I would do would be watch that after school like it was yeah. in that prime slot yeah. and so it would yeah of course seep in and um, uh, influence my style and my, mm. yeah what I find funny um, but yeah things like things like improv like does scare me now I love right, a, I yeah. love a strong um, structure like that's mm. what's great about Panto like we know where the scene's going we know what the character's all about but if the audience throws you something at the you can go and run yeah. off but you exactly. know um, and so, I mean you've become one of the one of the Panto mainstays now like Gavin's the Gavin's the guy that's been yeah. the main Panto mainstay for Circa mm. and you're in that club now like yeah. you're a recurring I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Are you, aren't you writing it this year? Yeah, with I am. Him? Yeah, with with Gavin. Yeah, yeah. and um, that's been a, a, a an amazing thing. And it's sort of yeah, it's it's great to be able to use those writing skills again that I that I um, developed at university. Because mm. yeah, that's sort of similar sort of stuff: sketch comedy and um, big characters interacting. And um, yeah, so that sort of came from us. We found that we were doing a lot of workshopping on uh, panto scripts that were kind of half-developed, appearing on day Mm. one of rehearsals, and we'd always be having to update them and move things around. And um, so we found that our natural comedic sensibilities and and, um, eye for structure and how to land a joke and things, Mm. we were just putting in what felt like half of the work but not mm. seeing any of the returns mm. from it and so we're like why don't we just you know why pitch, just pitch something and, do, yeah, and yeah. do the job because then we don't how, I mean is it literally a case of a script arriving for a first reading of that and it, and it has things like insert joke about such and such here like are there yeah. big blank bits like that yeah, it's like so riff had, on this or you know whatever like, <laughs> we've had um yeah, different iterations of that. Yes. Certainly, we've had insert joke here, or yeah, insert topical reference, or mm. um, uh, or just like there'll be a reference that happened four years ago, and we're like, mm. no one knows what that is no, now. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. yeah, it's just like pitched at the wrong demographic, yeah, and we yeah. go, I don't get this. Does anyone else like one hand yeah. will rise in the room? And so we're like, how can we make this more accessible? Um, but yeah, and I mean, this this sounds like I'm getting down on past panto writers, which I'm, I'm not. It's just, um, yeah, I think there's no, a lot... No, it's a tricky thing to... It's definitely a tricky thing to, to pull off. I, yeah. thought, I thought the one last year did, did probably the best job of, mm. of recent times of, of having that whole layer of jokes that just was straight for the parents and grandparents yeah yeah and then enough to keep the kids enthused you know and then some that's both you know obviously everyone's a kid at heart and things like a pantomime bring that out but you guys still between the performers and the writers Mm. and director yeah you kind of feel like that one had a lot of yeah. Very fun stuff. That was a very stressful five weeks. Really? <laughs> yeah, pulling that one. <laughs> the writer was dead for that one as right. well. Right. Which I think probably gave us a bit of license. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's he going to do? Chase us down. Yeah. But, um, uh, yeah, that was a tricky one as well because it, that was written by Paul Gendon and mm. a lot of his charm was in his lyric writing and mm-hmm. um, 
and um, the, the po- poetry of his words, um, where we've made decisions in recent years to um, put in pop songs, um, mm, Vipanto, mm. which seems to be doing really well for us. And uh, so if we're scrapping like the main thing that made him um, delightful, that, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of structural things we had to move around and um, and justifying the pop songs that we were putting in. And, yeah, so certainly the bones of his story were definitely there, but, man, mm, it was a rewrite. Right. And we got to opening night, and we were like, ah, oh, this is the worst thing we've ever done. And people were on yeah, their feet. I think I was at that opening yeah. night, it really popped. Well, we, were, we yeah. went off stage and, like, weren't expecting a curtain call, and the right. audience just kept on going yeah. and going. And then they started booing us for not coming for not back coming up. Back. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, okay, we better yeah. get out there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a, a shock. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and so you're going to do it again, and you're going to do it. Yeah, you guys are running it this year. Yeah, so a bit of pressure. Yeah, have you started on any level? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had a um, a first draft of the script, I think, written by sort of December last year. Right. Okay. Um, and it's Alice in Wonderland yeah, is, yeah. is the parent. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we liked the idea that that. Uh, first of all, Queen of Hearts, like we've got Jacinda as Prime Minister, yeah, the Red, yeah. Red, the Red Queen, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a starting point, but um, yeah, it's strange. Have, Alice, you, have Alice, you pitched a cameo from her? She'll probably do it. Oh, true. <laughs> we'll just do a wee video insert. Or yeah, 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 yeah. I reckon she'd be up for it. <laughs> that would be crack up. Yeah. Yeah, or even just audio. Well, it's, it's a phone call. It's a strange thing as well because in past years. Um, and I will get a bit political here, but we've been—it's so much easier to criticise a conservative government, yeah, yeah, because yeah. the like, particularly the coming home. from uh, you know your average theatre practitioner and audience member yeah. is leaning away, f- yeah, yeah, leaning left, leaning away from a conservative government. Mm. So, so you've got the people on your side, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so this one is, yeah, a bit a tricky one because you're casting just in <laughs> yes. <laughs> The woman that chops people's heads off. Right, and she's yeah, got this yeah. jabberwocky that she wants to unleash on everybody. Yeah. So we've just kind of almost had to invent a world that doesn't exist. Wonderland, which mm. is kind of the mm. Stranger Things upside down of Wellington, where mm. um, she's gone a bit psycho. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fun as well. So we can we can poke fun at the government while, yeah. with love, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's been your um, What's been your process writing with Gavin? Do you write separately and just share things, or do you actually get together and yeah, we, spitball or a bit of both? Yeah, I guess we'd, we'd get together for a sort of synopsis yeah. time, um, figure out the scenes and the scene beats and the characters, and then we'd split up the scenes and go away and write them and then come back together and edit each other's. Mm. We, um, through Play Market, um, we got funding to hold a workshop so we got to hear it out loud and got seven different actors inputs Mm. um which is so valuable to because often you'll only get that on day one of rehearsal and um yeah so that's that's given us new ears and eyes to go and make tweaks and things um yeah and we've, we've decided to use all new zealand songs for uh for this year as well, which has been a, a fun challenge as well, and, and talking with um, Michael Nicholas Williams, our musical director. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's a lot of fun problem solving. A lot of it happens on Google Documents because mm. just trying to get everyone mm-hmm. in the same room together is hard. Um, and 
yeah, I think I've just got to... Sh- I've, I've started shying away from uh, trying to get Gavin's permission on everything now. I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm cutting that line. It's not as funny yeah. as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I hope he does the same for me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you end up, I guess, in the Circa Club, in the mm. Circa cr- crowd? I mean, you're firmly in the team and you obviously get to go off and do other things mm. and, and most of the actors that work regularly at Circa can go and do that if they want to but that's kind of like a dream basically that's a dream gig for a professional mm. actor living in Wellington to, yeah. to be really on the on you're literally on the board there but to be to have runs on the board there how did that all like happen? Well I guess I I First of all, I had it in my sights. I, I yeah. think I was going like, oh, well, that's the professional theatre in Wellington. The place. I, yeah, I, I yeah. want to get there. I want to end up there. Yeah. Um, and so any opportunity, like it can be seen to be a kind of clicky place in some, mm. in some circles as well. Um, but then very kind to people that they know and trust. And mm. um, yeah. Although it's also not a homogenous thing. It's, it's got so many different directors and so many different... Um, companies within the company so yeah and that's so. that's that's evolved over the last few years right like they're yeah, way more interested and open now to yeah. to bringing in outside productions and mm. and basically just keeping the theater alive well, like totally. the building yeah. and the the concept of theater exactly yeah, yeah so yeah. so this is kind of a I guess I arrived on the cusp of that, and yeah. so I don't have a strong framework to go like, oh, they yeah, used yeah. to be so insular. So a lot of what I've experienced yeah. from them is a mm. open arms, like, mm. come and show us what you got, sort of thing. Um, work with us. Uh, but yeah, so I um, auditioned for uh, a play called Chekhov in Hell, which was written by, not written, um, directed by uh, Eleanor Bishop, um, Who's, who was an up-and-coming director at the time, now a very established director. Um, and, yeah, so I, I got into that production, and that was in Circa 2, the um, studio mm. space, mm. it's 100 there. And so that was, I guess, my first opportunity to be seen. Well, when was that? Uh, 2012, yeah, right. I think. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so that was then two years out of drama school. I finished in 2010 um, drama school. Um but yeah, I guess up until that point, I'd been making connections. I'd been do, I'd been trying to do as much as I could yeah. at bats and things, and yeah. yeah, not not actively going. God, I want to make connections. I want people to talk about me. But um, just actually like do anything I can, and that happened as a byproduct. And so I'd probably earned a little bit of trust up until that point, and they knew that they could cast me in this thing. And um, but then again, like Ross Jolly, who's employed me since then. Um, has told me that he he saw me in that play and was like, oh, this Simon Leary, he's a little bit, he thinks he's funny, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I just think he's very much like gets on stage and all this is all about me kind of. And so um, I guess he didn't trust me. But uh, <laughs> then then uh, it was actually at a workshop for um, for pantomime. Mother- and Ross would have delivered that exactly <laughs> as you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I've got another one of him coming out. <laughs> so I did the um, the workshop for a pantomime that was written by Michelle Amass. And so yeah. up until then, they'd all been Roger Hall pantomimes. Yeah, and yeah. because they were bringing in someone new, they wanted to do a workshop just to sort of get the vibe right. And um, Celise Leota, who is um, now on the Circuit Council, um, we 
he uh, was working on the desk at Toy Ficari when I was there and um, had always been a big mm. fan of mine and so he's like we'll get Simon in for this workshop and I'd, I'd worked with Michelle Amass on I think a Radio New Zealand uh, drama um, before and so she knew who I was and liked me but yeah I guess I kind of semi proved myself in that room and um, chased Sue down I was like so is this John mine and she's like can you sing and I was like kind of <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and then yeah, we, I, I, uh, it's a big strength of mine, it's big comedy, and so mm, um, mm. then Ross Jolly came up to me after opening night of that and was like, sidles up to me with a line <laughs> in his hand, like, you're quite funny, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> and as a byproduct of that, he ended up um, casting me in a show that he was doing at Centre Point yeah. the following year. Um, He's wonderful, Ross, because I, I thought he hated me for years. For absolute years, I just assumed he hated me, and then the, I'd never met him. Yeah. And then I was interviewing someone up at Circa in the in the green room, and some I heard someone say, "Oh, someone's doing an interview in there with," and he and I heard him say, "Who with?" And they said, "Simon, Simon Ho, Simon Sweetman," and he's just he just knocked on the door and barged into the interview oh and God. introduced himself. Like during the interview? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Did yeah, make yeah. him into the interview? No, I cut it. But he was just like, um, oh, yeah, it's a real pleasure to meet you. Wow. And I was like, oh, oh, cool. Like, I was into yeah. it, but I was just like, that's not what I was expecting at all. Why did you think he hated Oh, me? I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah. I don't think I'd, I'd particularly savaged him in print or anything. Right. He'd been, I don't think that had happened. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I've been pretty impressed with most of the circa stuff over the last few years but mm. there's a play on at the moment that I didn't like the Pink Hammer I I've read your review yeah I just <laughs> wasn't for me <laughs> yeah no, I actually haven't seen it yet mm. I might go and see it this weekend mm. I mean there's things in fact and I think like and I was going to bring this up in a different way but I th- you're in that play called Switzerland mm-hmm. and I didn't really like that mm. but I liked you in it and I was you know I was gonna I was gonna sort of get you to riff on that that, that that's interesting that you know I know lots of other people probably like that play. I don't know what I didn't like about it, but yeah. I'm, but I'm always interested in going to the theatre and maybe not liking it, but you can always find something. Yes, yeah. you know, and it's like there were some good performances in the Pink Hammer. Mm. You know, it's not like I hated the whole thing. I yeah. my my thing was more a script thing than an acting I thing think, with that. I think it's really good for keeping you sane, probably as a critic as well as a. Like an yeah. actor, because I see a lot of theatre as well. Mm, of course you do. And you can't. If you're constantly going like, "What's oh, why does this suck so much? What's the shit yeah. thing?" Like you're just, it's just gonna you just turn into a bitter old asshole. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Whereas, yeah, yeah I, I think you're right. Like to to go, oh well, yeah. Why is this not working for me? Sure, I think that's a, a great important question. But also go like, what have they got right here, or what are they what are they fighting against? Or, well, um, at the same time, you yeah, you also don't want to. Um, you know, I, I'm conscious that I can't... I'm more than happy to say that everything I've seen at Circa in the last few years is great, if it is. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But, and I've d- done... But you don't want to fall into that trap of, oh, this is Constant the latest praise. production, this is great, you know, yeah. this is great, this is great, because that that's always been my... I guess that's always been my argument mm. for um, so-called negative reviews mm. in, in any medium over, you know, it's like... 
I never wanted to become a New Zealand musician mm. as a music writer because they just say everything's good. Yeah. And I don't want to become theatre review as a theatre reviewer. And I know theatre review is probably really important to, to Circa and to any of the people right. putting plays yeah. out. But I read theatre review and go, well, they're obviously, this is some version of praise coming. Yeah. Because yeah. they want more free tickets and they want, you know, totally. to, yeah. to, to rub palms with the actors and stuff. And, <laughs> and that's just, I mean, I've only just started going to opening nights. So I don't really like going to opening nights. Mm. My preference was always to slip in two nights nights into it mm. so that you didn't get Ross Jolly with a glass of wine coming up yeah. and, 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 or, or whatever version of that I'm not yeah. picking on Ross but no, it's like, yeah. for me that's always been my approach is, whatever, yeah. I like meeting people that are involved with I mean fuck I'm doing a podcast you know I like yeah. meeting people that are involved with the arts I want to do it but I, yeah. I never liked going backstage you know I never yeah. had gigs I don't, you know I, I go backstage if there's a reason to go backstage yeah. if I know the person really well or the interview was happening there but to just turn up and pick it some salmon and you know yeah <laughs> yeah and, and fucking generally gush yeah it's just not my thing no and then, then there are other people i just i just don't feel that's authentic yeah well i think yeah authenticity absolutely is, is, is so important and I, ho- I hope you don't think i was going like um yeah just should be constant praise no 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 but, no but yeah like um yeah i i i it is interesting with the reviews. Yeah, you do. I, I it's, it's the critic part of it. I think yeah. is like you, you want you want them to be, I guess, constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think is the and I think you do that um, incredibly well as well. I always always enjoy reading your reviews. Um, Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I I love doing theatre reviews because I I've, I come at it well, from such a great angle in that in that in that I have no skin in the game except mm. I love going to watch theatre. That's it. And I know that's so often know. the problem with trying to find theatre reviews because yeah. a lot of the people are so stuck in them. Yeah. Did, so how did you get into <laughs> into doing that? Yeah, because it's only been the last couple of yeah, years. Yeah, it's only right? really been the last couple of years. I think it was really the change in. I think what happened was. I never really tried to do them. Like, I did theatre reviews years ago when I was at university, yeah. uh, and I got quite into it. And then, for one brief period, like maybe ten years ago, I was actually the theatre reviewer for the Sunday Star Times for a while, and I did oh. quite a lot of circus stuff then. Right. And that's when Downstage was still pretty regular too. So I was mm. actually going to lots of stuff. Um, bat, yeah, the th- you know Bats Theatre, um, Bats Downstage and Circa. I did that for a few months, and then that was right around the time, right around the time that arts journalism and the mainstream just started getting yeah. clipped away. Yeah. And so I was, I was, yeah, I was like the Dominion Post music reviewer, but I was the Sunday Star Times theatre reviewer, and I really don't know how that happened. I think, <laughs> I think it was literally just someone got my email and said, "Hey, there's this show on. It sounds interesting. Would you consider reviewing it?" And I went, "Yep." And then you know if you do if you do an okay piece of work and more importantly if you get it in on time, <laughs> they generally ask you to do more and that's been my experience. Same. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Eh? It's it's like, turn up not, on time. Ninety percent of it is turning up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. And um, and um, yeah. So then circa a couple of years ago, I think it was maybe just the change in marketing person, mm. perhaps. And I seem to recall it was a similar thing. It was like there was a particular show that had like a music focus or something, like a short show, you know, like mm-hmm. it was only on for a week or something. And I think maybe they asked me because it was music related and went, do you want to come and, re- could you check this out? We don't really know how to pitch it to theatre reviewers. And I think that's how I ended up doing it. I yeah. basically wrote back afterwards and said, that was cool, it'd be cool to go to some more shows at Circa. And now it's like, 
every time there's something on, I don't even have to ask now. I usually get invited. Yeah. So I'm in the, I'm in the club. Yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in the role that I'm... And that's what I say. It t- t- took me a while to really be okay with going to opening nights. Yeah. I just, I don't like the schmooze, but the schmooze no. is really important. Yeah. I get that. It's really important, but I've, it's probably why I find myself working from my own house largely unpaid is, by, is because I haven't like enjoyed the schmooze. So mm. I get, I get that, but I'm It's funny. Well, I guess I, I also, <laughs> I don't um, tend to view opening nights through that lens either no whereas I think I probably would have straight out of drama school going mm. like my next job could be standing in this room right yeah. now I've got to go and like oh, I should have a conversation with that person yeah yeah you know, that, that fear but um, I guess it comes with being a bit established yeah. in the building now whereas I can just like opening your heart is just a we've just done our show let's yeah, have yeah, fun yeah. let's have a free drink and um, yeah, yeah. a shitty sandwich <laughs> well I'm amazed that you guys I'm still amazed that you guys can do that like you finish the show and then you walk out and it's like it hasn't happened. I mean, I know it's your job. And yeah, you're used yeah. To it, but I think it's, it's a, it is, you know, you talk about, it is a superpower. Like, it is a, mm-hmm. it is a special thing. Yeah. That, that's the whole point of it, right, is that those of us who don't do it will never quite understand it. Well, yeah, there, there's also that. Um, yeah, somebody asked us in a Q&A for um, a doll's house recently of going, what sort of techniques do you, A, have to get to get you into the yeah, character? Yeah. And then what do you do to release the character at the end of the night? Mm. And I would say, like, 90, 95% of the actors that I've worked with is just sort of like, well, like, the trick to getting into the character is five weeks of rehearsal up until mm-hmm, that point. So you've mm-hmm. asked all the hard questions. So then, ideally, by the night, you do a bit of a vocal warm-up, but going on stage should just be like flicking a switch like you know what you're doing there you put the costume on you yeah, put the mask put the on mask and you're yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. what's required of you in terms of letting go of the character that's that's an interesting one because like, I, I think that that subscribes to that old thought of going like oh you've got to really live the character <laughs> to feel it mm. like we are at the heart of it up there pretending and playing and mm. like Sure, some of the emotions we're feeling will be ge- well. They hopefully will be genuine, but it's it's a lot of technique up there as well. Um, but yeah, and one one side of the things we walk away and we go, oh, we're done. But then there probably is a lot of adrenaline firing from that flight or fight response of mm. standing up in front of two hundred or six hundred people, um, or you know, 30 people on a bad night. <laughs> no, I went to um, Peggy Pickett the other night because oh, I, yeah. I didn't, I was away when the opening night was on or I would have yeah. gone or I was doing something else. I think I was away. But, um, yeah, it wasn't a good turnout, but I, I enjoyed it. I haven't written about it yet. I oh, enjoyed cool. it, but it wasn't that I thought, yeah. but I felt sorry for them because it was like, yeah, it had to be fewer than 30 people there. Yeah, but then, like, some of my best nights of theatre yeah. and when, like, 12 people are watching. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it's almost sometimes makes you dig a bit deeper. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that thing of... Um, you, you do have that adrenaline and mm. buzz, and so I think this is probably why a lot of actors are become alcoholics and you need to find a way to oh, yeah, yeah. reset to, after the yeah, show yeah totally and so I think there is that come down to the bar afterwards and have a drink and release and chat and 
You're not you're not the character and you're not quite yourself. You're in an yeah. in between. That's you transitioning or something. Yeah. You're in an in between zone where the best bits of what's just happened you can keep alive, mm. and the worst bits you can forget about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like or something. Eh? And, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're not just um, you know person at home unloading the dishwasher straight afterwards or whatever. Totally. Too. You're, yeah. you're or go still, home and cook your meal. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. You're still living some part of the fictitious part mm, of the, the life the high yeah, yeah. but it's I, I just remember I mean went to you know I interviewed Sophie for uh, the podcast and in the lead up to burn her mm. and then she said when she left oh yeah you know if you're coming along you know let me know and we'll have a drink afterwards or whatever and I was like yeah that'd be great because I'd just met her and we had a nice chat and then I went to the opening night and I thought well, I'm not going to message her and say I'm going to the opening night. Like, mm. I just think that's weird. I'm just going to go to the opening night and watch it. And if I see her to say hello to, great. Yeah. Now, that play was amazing. Mm. And I thought, and so did practically everyone, yeah, you know. And it, but it was play. so intense and, and such a such a really kick-ass ending mm. that makes you think and all of, all of the things you want. And then five minutes later, she's... You know, <laughs> in, her, in her civvies with a glass of wine saying hello to everyone. Yeah. And comes over and goes, oh, I'm so glad you made it. And I was just like, fuck, how have you become... Yeah. I get that that's good PR and that that's good authenticity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just constantly amazed that a person, you know, like, it's where you put yourself as the person who can't do it mm. in that position. You'd be like, well, I think I'd be like in a meditation pose somewhere you know <laughs> yeah. on a bed or like asking some hard questions of myself in front of a mirror about whether it was any fucking good or not but really? well, that, that's, you've all you've all done your version of that several times no doubt yeah. well that's a, that's such an <laughs> intriguing um, insight really I guess yeah, maybe there is a little bit of a, a cheeky play in the fact that like now I can come out and be mm. the normal old Simon like mm. yeah it maybe does there is an element of going like, oh, check out this contrast, but um, but generally, I'd say, yeah, most actors don't really think about it. But then no. I can I can see, of course, that's kind of quite magical. Mm. Is it is it a, is it sort of like? Do you feel like you've been tricked as well? Oh or? no! If I do, it's in a good way. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I don't. I just. I mean, it's like whenever I speak to an actor, and I haven't asked you this yet, but. You know, uh, I guess of all now, but it's like when you said, "Oh, I don't." I used to read a lot, but I don't, you know, much now. And I'm kind of like, I'm always like, "How the fuck do you guys remember your lines?" Like that's yeah. the thing I want to, you know, thing I want to ask any actor. And I'm yeah. like, I never want to lead with that because it's such a naive, <laughs> overused question. Yeah. But it's also really important, and like because because you all do it differently, obviously. Yeah. Too. Well, that's the thing. It's got a hundred yeah. different answers, yeah. Well, and you've got to work for, um, work with what. Mm. works for you mm. so in the last um, I guess two months I've been involved in three plays which mm. is insane so I just yeah. did um, Hudson, Hudson and Halls in um, Hamilton oh yeah great which is amazing That's an, I mean I saw uh, I can't remember who was doing it but I saw that at, at um, Hannah Playhouse, Hannah Playhouse oh, the so other year I think that would have been that Chris was, Parker yes. and um, Kip Chapman yes it was yeah. that's it. so originally yeah. it was Todd Emerson yeah, and yeah. his partner Kip yeah. um, stands in uh, Kip who wrote and yeah, yeah. Um, directed it originally but fucking yeah. amazing I mean, man that must have been a blast Live I could just see how much you would have loved doing that yeah like, yeah, yeah it's absolutely right up my alley mm. as well as being that fun thing of 
visceral theatre which you don't normally get to do where you're literally cutting this onion and then chucking it in a pot and cooking it and, and how much of a frame of reference of Hudson and Hall would you directly have had none other no. than having seen the original play right yeah yeah so yeah because I, yeah. I, I grew up watching them you know on TV like yeah. I, I, I can remember yeah. when that was kind of appointment viewing in our house and I didn't really get why it was but I did find it funny and yeah. so I, lo- I had so many amazing flashbacks watching the play going right. they're actually fuck I actually saw this this bit that they're doing now as a recreation mm. you know and all of that well this is like yeah. going back to my that final year mm. of toy of going like why isn't there more great gay theatre and mm. I just I go like these guys are two amazing gay icons of New Zealand mm-hmm. it's criminal that I didn't know about them mm. that they're not more a part of the zeitgeist now that we can and so that's why it's so great that this play has been made to sort of alert my generation but they were gay in an era when like they weren't exactly hiding it in any way but Mm. it was just something people didn't talk about or something right like so they the Elton John effect yeah yeah so exactly so they were They were gay, but let's focus on the fact that they're successful and mm. on TV. And so that same with Elton John. Like, yeah. yes, everyone knows he's gay, but it doesn't play into his music. It fucking does. Yeah. But <laughs> we're not going to let that be the narrative. No. We're, we're going to let the narrative be that he's successful. Yeah. You know, whereas... And anyone else, like a Sufjan Stevens or anyone else that's doing interesting thing with music, the, the gender politics, the sexuality, the... Just the, the just the just the artist's personality mm. is an important part of the story. It's yeah. why people elect to be fans of you know. It isn't just a catchy melody. It's yeah. it is why people elect to be on board with something. And Sorry. you know you don't have to be gay to like a gay artist. Mm. You don't have you know, and all of this. Yeah. But people being aware of what has driving this person as yeah. both a person and an artist is way more at the front of people's minds now. Well, this is uh, like... Because the, of the examples of things like Hudson and Hall's, well, right? totally. Yeah. So that play starts with... Because it could just be a fun yeah. cooking show. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. Which a is, lot of it is. Yeah. But there's that context at the start of the play where the stage manager comes out this sort of like turn your cell phones off, this and this. Oh, and by the way, um, in 1991, David Hall's... Uh, uh, sorry, um, Peter Hudson dies of cancer, and yes. then six months later, David Hall's kills himself. Yes. And um, just keep your voices down as we walk in. That sort of <laughs> it's like, amazing. It throws yeah, it in, but it yeah. puts everything in context. Yes. So you're watching the, their joy and their spark, and they're, yes. they're fighting, you're going blatantly, oh, here's a married couple. Mm. And then... Yeah, at the end they um, get caught in a kiss sort yes, of thing and it's yeah. just lovely and heartbreaking and yeah. Um, yeah, sort of everything comes flooding back in. Um, what, oh yeah, Line Learning. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, so, three, three shows at once. So three I rehearsed that in yeah. two and a half weeks, Fuck. which I just didn't think yeah. I was able to do. And then um, Strength of the Script, that mm. like, it's easy to learn, yes. and the dynamic of actually... You know what you're doing. You're you're describing the meal that you're cooking. Mm. There was ways in, and then I just did um, a, a doll's house a, a tour, which existed as a whole, but I was the one person that was joining the cast because one dude had um, slipped out. So I had two weeks of rehearsal to get into that, which is again not. Mm. Yeah, that would have terrified me in the past, but I just sort of took it. Yeah, so there's a match fitness, there's a Mm. muscle memory, there's all of these things. Like, you know, I've always, you know, when I was writing a daily blog for stuff for nine years, 
I would try and not have the summer off and they wanted people to have the summer off because no one is clicking on the website during the mm. summer. I didn't want it so that I got paid. I just wanted it so that I stayed match fit. Yeah. I was just like, fuck, if I have if I have three weeks of writing, mm. I come back to it and I feel like I'm, you know, yeah. You know, I've got fucking sausage fingers and I can't hit the keys properly. I do. Right. Now, like, yeah. pe- some people that read my shit think that anyway. That's, <laughs> that's fine. I know that. But yeah. just for me personally. So I do identify with that in yeah. terms of there is a, like, I know that I can, you know, if, if, if someone rang out and said we need five, and it's happened in the past, we need 500 words on this and we need it in the next hour. Fuck, no problem. And yeah. then there are other people that are like, oh, shit, what do I say? How do I say it? Rah, rah, rah. Mm, mm. Well, that's because I'm in that zone and I've been Absolutely. doing that. So you, you've got your version of that. Well, yeah. And so yeah. now I've I've turned up for cock rehearsals where yeah. I have five weeks rehearsal and, mm. and um, we're two weeks into rehearsals now and just the, the lines just seem to be landing really mm. easily. I think it's part of working with Shane Bosher as well. He's... Um, he gets very specific on the detail of a mm-hmm. scene and what you're absolutely thinking in each moment. So you're not just trying to put words in your mind. You're like, you're putting a story in your mind, and it's always so much easier to connect things to story and intention than it is to go like, like if, if you tried to memorize a series of numbers, it's mm. meaningless unless you assign value to the story or, to yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, with, there's a lot of repetition in the room, and there's a lot of figuring out but exactly what you mean when you say something. This is so. just the reality of being a professional theatre practitioner, a professional actor in New Zealand is, that wants to stay and work is when it rains it pours a little bit, right, mm, too. Because mm, I, yeah. I know when I talked to Sophie for Burn Her, she was, yeah, working on um, Doll's House, which she'd done in the past, but yeah. still that's an interesting thing to bring something back yeah. in your mind as an actor. As well as it being a mammoth role that she plays that's in. That's right. Like, and every s- scene. And same with when I talked to Bronwyn Turo and she was doing, I think, Rants in the Dark mm. and rehearsing, like she was in a play yeah. and then every day after the play I, yeah. she was off she was doing a pig hammer and then yeah and um, now she's yeah, doing yeah. it again yeah that's yeah, right that's but right. but but um, when she was like and rants in the dark is a oh. very wordy thing so yeah. <laughs> they were doing she was learning that while she was appearing in something else that's each right. night yeah. and I'm you know again so to me as a person who's never been in a play uh, I'm just like how the fuck do you do that but that's what you do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's, that's what you do. Yeah, it's amazing when you you just put that. Like it, as you say, it's the deadline thing as well. Yeah, yeah. You always know opening night's not going to change, and so you've you've always got this timeline that you're you're heading towards that point. So well, like, I need to have this amazing, much done to the, by this point. What's that amazing quote by Lorne Michaels about SNL? The show doesn't go on because it's ready. The show goes on because it's ten o'clock. <laughs> you know, whatever time SNL yeah, yeah. broadcast, that's always been his mantra. Yeah. Like, fuck, if it's ready, that's a bonus. <laughs> but you know, which is you know, it speaks to your pantomime anxiety around mm. you know last year's one or whatever yeah, like, yeah. And that's you just, just it it's fuck it's gonna work gonna it yeah. yeah publish and be damned is, is my you know my version of that yeah. like it's and just you really you don't know if you're sitting on a hit or whatever it's no. just like get it out at the deadline no you have yeah. some instinct sometimes mm, you, yeah. you know obviously you have a good feeling about I've written things and gone this is this is good I like this and I think this is funny or relevant or interesting and people are going to respond to this mm. fucking dead ears like a like a like an audience of 19 turned up to watch it on opening yeah, night yeah. then i've written something that i've tossed off yeah in a few minutes in front of the telly because i needed to write something and i'm like this is okay this will do the trick 
500 comments shared everywhere yeah. you know called up to speak about it how the fuck did that happen I don't even really care. you know I don't even yeah. really have much investment in that you yeah. know so yeah I, yeah I wonder if it's a, just a sort of you you keep on doing the thing what's well, great because and if we knew land. If exactly you know you've mm. got to fling shit at the wall yeah. like imagine if we knew what was going to work every mm. time it would make all the work very boring yeah. right like it would make the work Irrelevant. Yeah. And so you, you know, yeah, you just you've got to have trying some... and ideally trying your best. Have you been involved in stuff where, like, not just night to night, but you know, can you you don't need to name what it was, but like, have you been in something and gone, fuck, I thought this was going to be good. This is actually disastrous. Like, as an overall season, like in terms of either you don't really believe in it, or mm. just like, and, and or the audience was way down on what everyone predicted. Yeah, I, I guess I'm talking about. Noble failures and not even noble failures, <laughs> like uh, you know. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've been in a, uh, all of the things. So mm. I've been in like a thing where I thought it was going to go well, and then I was like, I was really blind to mm. some of the problems with the project, and mm. then people didn't show up, and you're like, oh well, of course. And then um, I've been in a thing where I'm like this sucks but it's going to do well yes and then I've also been so in, lie back and think of England basically yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, and also give it your all and try and do yeah it. yeah yeah um, yeah but then and also like this is great and it's going to do great yeah, yeah. and then it does great um, or this is great it's going to do great and then it does badly <laughs> but um, but at least you have the, the fact of going like I know this is great to take you through this well apart from build experience and have anecdotes what does that do for you you know like personally what what mm. goes on yeah how do you process that in the moment well um and yeah. beat yourself up don't beat yourself up kind of way yeah but. well i think this is where a lot of drama school came into play where you get the get to the point where you fail so often that mm. you the, the failure um yeah, I don't know, you don't even name it like that anymore. Mm-hmm. It's sort of just like, well, there's a thing that didn't happen. Or like, um, or oh, that's interesting. Um, mm. Let's build on this for the next thing. Um, yeah, just a, I mean, it's every industry. Learn from your mistakes and um, realise what's outside of your control. Mm-hmm. I really like, I, and also you're just constantly, constantly faced with what could be perceived to be rejection as an mm. actor. Like, you, mm. you're auditioning for way more jobs than you get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we see the success stories and, yeah. and the, the things that you're in and that happen. And for yeah. for every one of those, there's mm. something that falls over at some point or that you don't even yeah. get to. Fully. And you'll, or you're like, um, you'll do an ad that was like a day's work and then people are messaging you for years and going, oh, you're great in that thing. <laughs> and you'll spend like two yeah. months working on a, a play that was amazing that um, <laughs> 400 people saw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, so you just, you do get resilient and the, yeah, the rejection means less to you um, and you've just got to make sure that the successes don't mean mm. less, less to you as well. Mm. Um, yeah. So I don't think I cut you off here, but I think you were talking about the Hudson and Hall thing in the context of, of line reading. Yeah. But, but let's go back and explore it a little bit further in the context of, I guess, gay theatre mm-hmm. and what you, you know, what you were speaking about in terms of at one point and at various points, no doubt, wishing for more of that. Yeah. So... Yeah, I guess let's go back to Timaru. Yeah, it's a um, 
uh, it's quite conservative small town and um, just like I had no perception of the fact that professional actors could exist like professional mm. actors could come mm. from a place like this like I also grew up going like um, oh I have these feelings for men um, but you can't be gay like yeah right. so, so how do I so you remember feeling uh, thinking that yeah just going like it was never a thing of going yeah, oh yeah. my god <laughs> what um, do I do how yeah do it was I just a exist, oh, so I can't be gay how do I what's my way of yeah. hiding this from the world for the rest of my life yeah. <laughs> and so um, yeah I think so having almost, a having an ex that was a girl that you mentioned was one, yeah. was one way of doing oh, it oh yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah and then <laughs> manufacturing it got to a point as well and I was like oh she loves me a lot and she's like looking into the future and going oh marriage kids and stuff and I got to a point where I said, oh, I just can't do this to you. And so yeah. manufacturing an excuse to break up as well. Just the lies that you catch yourself in, and it's, you know, it tugs at you. Um, I mean, that's all in the past, but did you mm. revisit revisit that with her and explain I, the real uh, reason, or were you guys just I, No, touch? I did. I miss, She was like, when, during my coming out process at mm. university, she was like high on my list of going, I need to tell her before everyone knows mm, and she mm, finds mm, out. Mm. And so I did send her a message, and mm. um, yeah, she was like, "Great, I'm so I'm so pleased that you've." That, that, that's better than the first story you gave me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I guess there's a part of me now when I'm when I'm like, let's get more yes gay characters, gay stories, gay thing better because into the arena because it's it's for it's trying to heal yeah. my younger self. Where yes. if I'd seen stuff like that when I was younger would just really present an image to me mm. that, that people are up there comfortable kissing in front of other people mm. comfortable you know declaring their sexuality that's what's so great about doing so the show I'm in at the moment is called um, Cock and when mm. I saw it originally uh, Silo Theatre was doing it um, maybe two or three years ago same director Shane Bosher mm. and um, I was so blown away by you know, came for the gayness, stayed mm. for the story. Yeah. Whereas I, I identified so strongly with the main character, who I'm not playing, um, John. His whole tussle is going, I'm uh, in this relationship with my character, mm. um, who's just called M, and then he's uh, he falls for this woman for the first time mm. in his life, um, who's just referred to as, not F, uh, what's... W, yeah, mm-hmm. woman. <laughs> there you go, mm-hmm. man and woman. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's stuck in this thing of whoever he's with, he wants to go for that person. And, um, yeah, he's just wrought with indecision, can't make up his mind. Mm. And I was like, oh, like more than the gay storyline, that that's just sort of a, um, a vehicle for the mm. story of like, mm. telling this dude who can't, telling the story of this dude who can't make a decision and, um, the title cock is like it, it becomes this massive cock fight between mm. the man and the woman and John and then the father of my character shows up as well to join in as well mm-hmm. to try, try and steer this dude towards making a decision and I guess double entendre as well, well mm. three meanings of course of the word cock but like who's the who's the who's the biggest cock like mm. <laughs> you're all behaving like assholes and it's almost a comedy of manners anyway mm. um Anyway, it, it ticked a lot of boxes for me, and so now I've found myself in a situation where I'm performing it, and I want to do it justice. Um, yeah, it's an interesting um, thing, that kind of, I guess, bisexual love triangle is mm. an interesting... What was that play that was on at... Um, 
Bats just recently that, Ooh. gosh, it's, I've just had a mind blank. It was really good. It was the um, Red Scare company. Oh, yeah. Uh, not Mood Porn? No. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Heather O'Carroll. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So that kind of um, had had that aspect happening yeah, to it yeah. too. Yeah, and that's as well, it's, I guess, in a, a, a big part of the story is going here's society trying to put us yes, in boxes and yeah. um, people who maybe don't necessarily subscribe to that yes. are just going like, oh well I have to exist in your world, I have to exist in your world and um, wouldn't it be easier if yeah, we could yeah. just be ourselves yeah 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 <laughs> and so there's a question and I'm trying to work out how to how to um, ask it, I'll probably just ask it in the most prosaic way but okay. you know you're talking about seeking out gay theatre to see and now particularly to to be to be involved in to mm. be one of the actors in as mm. a means of many things of promoting the medium and as you say like kind of re- resetting recalibrating things for yourself addressing mm. um and yet what the majority of the roles you play are probably heterosexual roles yeah probably yeah if that's relevant, you know what I yeah. mean. Like maybe it's, but it's probably assumed, is what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, even if it's not, no, yeah. uh, you in a relationship with a woman on stage, it's mm. probably assumed of your character. Yeah, 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 yeah. That you, you know you're hetero or you're definitely not gay. Mm. You know what mm. I mean? Like I'm thinking because the pantomime has a campness about it mm. as in general because it's a, an ingredient of the medium. Yeah, but that doesn't. Because it's family entertainment, I guess too. Yeah, that means you can you can hint at various things, and that's very positive. But it's yeah. not. Yeah, well, that was know. an interesting thing of the very first panto that I did, which mm. was written by Michelle Amass. Mm. Um, I played a character called Simple Simon, and um, yeah, his his whole story arc was that like, uh, oh, it was the year of. Um, uh, the marriage amendment bill coming mm. through, so that was the big topical thing of that year. Mm. And um, my character's situation was that his boyfriend wanted, was proposing to him, but uh, he didn't know if he wanted a relationship or not. And so, yeah, that was kind of alongside the main story. But mm. there was this huge subversive thing where there's just like, like buttons in Cinderella. <laughs> he's just like so flamboyant and stuff, but mm. he's got this crush on Cinderella. And yeah, there's so much campness, as you say, in pantomime. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, you can't. Well, it's a. I don't want to. It's a, it's a non-sexual campness a mm. lot of the time, and then also there's ribald double entendre as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Whereas yeah. The, there's often two lovers yes. in the panto, which is a man and a woman who are just yes. like, oh, I'm yes. besotted with you. And then there's the the dame who falls for often, yes. often the villain or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. this year actually, I'm playing the the Mad Hatter, who's um, based on Grant Robertson, who's, oh, g- yeah. who's gay yeah. in real yeah. life. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like while we haven't gone down the route of explicitly um you know putting a gay love story in there yeah i think we're getting to the point now where we can just like name the thing mm, and it's mm. gonna be less of a <gasps> can they do yeah. that there are children here how very <laughs> dare you yeah but you're i mean you're and you have um an extra um string to your bow and in, in terms of i don't want to say fighting this fight but redressing mm. the balance in that you're you have writing skills and you're writing. Mm. So is that something you're thinking about, like writing something that is 
you know, beyond the pantomime, mm-hmm. right? maybe maybe a little bit more serious, or a comedy of manners or something. Are you? Yeah. Is that what you're thinking it's, too? It certainly appeals to me. Yeah. I go. Um, I think at this stage, I go. Acting is my thing, yeah. and, and writing is sort of a job to. Yeah, when it's required of me, or um, it's, a, yeah. it's a it's a sub skill yeah. subset of the. Interesting. I don't. I've, I think I've discovered about myself that I'm not necessarily. I'm not the spark of an idea, man. Right. So you're a collaborator. Yeah, and so when, like, when the story, the the idea idea starts forming, I can come up with very good ideas to like mm. as a vehicle of that. Um, but yeah, I. It's rare for me to go like this is the story I want yeah, to tell, okay. which is why Alice in Wonderland is so great because you've got this amazing blueprint of a story already, and so we go, oh well, how do we make this Wellington, mm. and how do we? Um, What's our version of those characters? It's, mm. it's a really strong starting point. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I don't think I could... Um, yeah. If, and I can see it happening for me as well, of go, going down the road of writing yeah. more. And I can't imagine not having gay storylines within that because it's just a big part of my world and the stories I want to tell. Yeah. And are you a director as well? I... Again, do it when it's required. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, I mean, do, you know, do you see yourself... Yeah. Potentially moving. Yeah. Because that's a pretty um, tried and true story of of a lot of theatre actors, isn't it? Mm. You know, for whatever reason, whether it's an age and relevancy thing or Mm. just a slowing down and looking at it from a different angle. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, honestly, the role of director has changed a lot as well in the last few years, is that it actually has become a bit more of a collaborative process mm. that actors get a lot more say in the room mm. so I think I think I'm at this stage being quite often being a director from the inside as well mm. um, yeah so that would be honing skills to, but I think if, if I get to the point where I'm a director more often it would always be the culture in the room that I'd want to set up of going like if you've got a good idea chuck it in and then you'd sort of become more yeah. fa- facilitator of the work yeah. rather than um the mastermind, yeah, and devised theatre and stuff like that. Like, yeah. yeah. Now, who's that guy at? Um, I'm having several mind blanks today. Who's that guy that often works at Circa? That's an actor. A Gavin Rutherford. No, a director, <laughs> a writer. He often a set designer. Whether it's the sets that he doesn't. I mean, oh, he was in. Uh, he was in. Um, Oh, what did he do recently that was great? He's been in several things. Not Ralph McCumber. No, you worked with him in Weed. Oh, Andrew Foster. Andrew Foster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the last time I saw, there was something, you know, I was half by expecting him to be my Uber driver when I fucking (laughs) left, you know, like, like, (laughs) this guy is doing as many things as he can. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's definitely um, pulled in a lot of directions, that man. It's Um, amazing. But because he'll often do, like, set design, and mm. it won't always be something that he's the actor in, and then sometimes he's in it as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or that, um, he did that one the other year in the studio, uh, Venus and Furs, mm. yeah, which mm. he directed as well Yeah, as being oh in, and, and that was yeah. an amazing set which he designed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah freakish. Yeah, well, totally. <laughs> I, I think there's something about the model of how circuit theatre works, of going, yeah. there's, um, uh, it's a risk-share company, and so functionally the less yes. people you can have involved in a production then the more money There's you're going to see on the yeah, other yeah, side yeah. and so if you've got 
I should talk to him sometime. He, he absolutely I've, should. I've, I've thought every time yarn. I see him, every time yarn. I've seen him perform mm. or seen his name in the credits, even. But every time I've seen him perform, I thought I should talk to him because yeah. I just want to know how the fuck all those different things. Yeah, he's have, a lovely energy about him, and um, yeah, really interesting. Type I, mean, I think the theatre world. I think Sylvester Stallone's first credit was as a wardrobe designer. Really? Yeah, something meant. Yeah, awesome. yeah, for a Woody Allen film or right. some shit like that. So you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> and obviously he was he had ambitions around being a writer way before mm. he did being an actor. Yeah, and, you know, and he was a successful has been a very successful film writer. Yeah. You know, which is and he's not someone that anyone holds up as a as a, as a role model of one of the great actors, no, but, yeah, but he's yeah. one of the successful ones. Well, totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, far out. if you yeah, the more strings to your bow you can mm. have in this industry then you can and as you say that that thing of when it rains it pours, you like if somebody's offering you a, yeah, you're a design gonna... role, a um, acting role, a, a director role. And it's all make it work, yeah. It's I guess on a on a practical and a purest level, it's keeping you closer to the thing you love than going mm. and flipping burgers or selling shoes or totally. which there's there's an honour in doing that. Yeah. I think like I've talked about that with people a lot in the podcast. Mm. I love that. I really feel like the acknowledgement of a day job, the the practical reality of having something to fall back on. Mm. was a weird shame for people for a few years I think in the mm. 90s and early 2000s and now it's just like hey yeah, great great if you can survive without it but if you need it you need it and totally. and just own it but if you can do something that's more <laughs> theatre related if that's your thing that's yeah. a bonus right do you know um, Sophie Roberts no she, she's the um, she runs Silo Theatre oh okay yeah yeah um, yeah, so she came and talked to us uh, just towards the end of our third year at drama school, and um, she was very pragmatic about the thing of going like, "You're, you're going into your first year out of drama school. Go on the dole and say yes to every job. Like, just mm. get involved in as much theatre, mm. do as much as you can. Say yes to anything your agent throws at you, and um, yeah, have that as a kind of deadline. Like one one year on the dole. Try and." try and make this thing work go out there and make those connections and um uh i did that like i think i would have had a huge shame around mm. well, people do put shame on people mm. going on empl- unemployment benefits and, um mm. yeah i think as well there had been a thing called pace which was part of the sort of it, it was like an actor's version of the unemployment benefit to, um but yeah there was the um work and income chasing me to try and get uh, get me mm. back into retail they're like mm. oh you can work in retail this is great but <laughs> never you're, again you're, you're missing your true calling yeah and so just constantly having to come up with excuses but yeah, yeah trying to um, you know yeah there, there is there is annoyingly shame around it mm. um, but that's such a hard year yeah, well, first year out when you have to make those connections and I'm so glad I got that advice because I went and made those connections and I've been capitalising on them ever since I wonder if it's New Zealand a little bit but we tend, tend to have this like we love the success story of the person that's mm. you know achieved mm. you know and they you know, they may well have obviously done some version of hard yards at some point. Yeah. 
but uh, if they're an overnight success, that's even better in the in the in the newspaper columns yeah. mind, and I think that's quite unhealthy. Like we yeah. should be celebrating the the grafters and the and the the crafts people that have toiled because, like, if you're a writer, a songwriter, an actor, mm. um, particularly, I think you know, or any kind of artist, but if you're doing those things, you know, you can be you can be taking notes if you're mm. working in retail or service or a tradie or whatever you're doing. Yeah. You, uh, you're developing characters and stories. Yeah. Absolutely. And yet you can also be fulfilling that role very well. Mm. And why isn't that interesting? You know, to me that's very interesting. Oh, but totally. the better story allegedly is, you know, the person who put one song out in the world and it blow up. I'm yeah, like I'm not yeah. I'm not that interested in that story because no, that's so. a trope, like that's a cliche. Yeah, I thought um Brian Cranston from Breaking Bad yeah. it talks about that of I think he's always quick to remind people of go, people think that he was an overnight success yeah, and, yeah, and doing yeah. Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Um and then eventually Breaking Bad. But he was like, no, I've yeah, been yeah. an actor my whole life. Yeah. I've, um, yeah, it's been really hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, I've done lots of things that I'm not necessarily proud of. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and, I, and a lot of things that I'm very proud of that no one's seen. But, mm. um, yeah, that, that, yeah, people just start paying attention at a certain point. Yeah. I think, like, the, a lot of the very best stand-up comedians that, that that story is is more prevalent in in, in them that mm. because you can't re, you, there is no overnight success with stand up no. comedy you know you even even the 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 superstars mm. like like Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin people like that that started playing to giant theatres mm. they were doing the work yeah um, as an as a nobody yeah. for years before that before that mega deal blow up. And then ingra- you know. inherently ingrained in their stand-up is is a big part of themselves. Like That's right. Yeah, because the stand-up is so autobiographical. Telling their story, it's, yes. yeah, it's a snapshot of their life yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Whereas where um, actors are going up there and either telling other people's stories yes. or telling their own stories as different versions of themselves. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Um, and so the only opportunity to know more about them is through things yeah. like this interview. Or, yeah, um, yeah, yeah little snippets you see in press releases or if you're on Graham Norton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. But then it's crafted in a different yeah. way. Yeah. And are you a big, like, you, you know, are you a big stand-up comedy person at I, all, ever? I love as a As a viewer? Or? Yeah, I, I do like stand-up comedy. And, um, yeah, I just recently watched, do you watch any of Simon Am still? Oh, Simon yeah, I saw his, um, he's got a new Netflix special. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. I'd, I'd watched his things before that, and I was like, oh, I don't know how I'd like this as a starting yeah. point for him. But, um, yeah, if you can watch, say, like, Do Nothing, I think, is his one, his very first one. Right. But the way that he intersects philo- philosophy, his awkward persona yes. and then his natural like yeah like his, his desire to want to be a hippie but yeah, like yeah. It's not I found him I, I I wasn't super into that new mm. special but I found it very intriguing like yeah. and it made me want to so that's good to know like it may, I, yeah. like I've seen him do the panel shows and stuff and, and yeah. pop up in that but yeah. so I knew who he was but yeah. I don't know enough about yeah um, but definitely that awkward persona thing of his was very intriguing it was yeah. like man this is so natural, mm. but it's clearly a bit of a 
concoction as well. well. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, going, yeah, oh, yeah. you've realised this thing yes. works for you, yes. and so you're capitalising that now. Whereas I think if you go back and watch, um, like, Do Nothing, yeah, I, I think right. it's probably him going, like, this is who I am, yeah, yeah. and this is the only way I can present this material. Yeah. Whereas now it's probably a little bit more like, this is my shtick. Yeah. Um, whilst trying, well, he's got the internal conflict constantly of going, like, I've got to be authentic. Um yeah, I, I, yeah, I just I loved um, the brand new Bill Burr special that's on Netflix. There's mm. a moment in that. I mean, he's a very polarizing figure, obviously, and and his new special is is full of stuff that will trigger all sorts of people for all sorts of reasons. But the the moment I love the most in it is when he says something particularly outrageous and the crowd boos. And he basically just laughs at them and goes, like, <laughs> you, you think this is the first time this has happened to me? Like, you yeah, know, yeah. You, it's a really amazing moment where he's just like, I mean, that's his persona, that's his mm. shtick. But also there's a real truth in that, that this guy's been doing it for 20 years. Mm. And if you think this is the moment where I'm bombing, you have no fucking idea. Yeah, like, yeah. And there, part of, you're playing Yeah, that's right. And there is a real yeah. power that the really, again, it just takes sort of, like, real kind of grit and gumption to to put yourself in that over and over it seems like the most self-flagellating thing to do actually yeah because I have tried stand-up comedy before yeah and bombed pretty hard particularly the first time I did it but there was also at a time when um yeah I, I don't know from what I perceived stand-up comedy to be it was to get up there and say the most outrageous thing yeah. you could yeah and um yeah yeah, and so I was just going, oh, like, uh, upon reflection now, I was, oh, I was just trying to be other stand-up yeah. comedians. When you go, the best stand-up comedians, and probably true for actors as well, I was going, is, you're what? doing your version of a thing, or you know, you're presenting it in a way that's important to you, or that you're comfortable with, and so I just was doing material that I wasn't comfortable with, mm. <laughs> or that I didn't care about. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's it, I think, that's mm. exactly it, the, you have to own it, yeah. and believe in it. Mm. And I'm always amazed watching any kind of performer, comes out in comedy a lot, but watching any kind of performer, the belief that they have, like you, you can spot the moment where you're like, oh yeah, this is actually fake and you don't believe this and yeah, that's yeah. why this is happening to you. Or the flip side, like that Bill Burr moment where it's just like, man, you are making me more powerful like because yeah. I have I have so much that I've endured and so much I want to say and you're just feeding into it. Mm. I've been doing um, some poetry reading stuff again and I've been performing, the, well, performing, I've been turning up at open mics and there's two different open mics in the same venue that happen on two different days, obviously. And one of them's a much, much, generally much, much older crowd than me. And one of them's a much, much younger crowd than me. Mm. And I go to one of them and the, I'm kind of the irreverent person saying outrageous things. And I sometimes bomb and I sometimes don't. Mm. And I'm very, it's fun and I'm enjoying doing it. But I go and try and read in front of the younger kids and I'm just this fucking anomaly that's totally bombing. Like it's, <laughs> and it's been very kind of um, empowering or something. Like yeah, I've really enjoyed yeah. it. But I'm just like, because it isn't so much that I think my stuff's great. It's mm. just that it's great for me. It's great yeah. to me. I know what I'm trying to say and do with it. Yeah. And I'm just making no explanation. I'm just getting up and saying it. But I can see people looking at me like, why the fuck are you out of your house? You know, why yeah, have you yeah. thought this is a... Now, I might be thinking bad about some of the stuff they <laughs> they say. Totally. And what I've realised is, and, and how much that game has changed, because I did, did some open mics and some performance poetry years ago, 
and it was always very uh, I guess it was a little hostile but yeah uh, now it's quite a um, even if you bomb it, there's a supportive element to bombing like it's there, right. there is this idea that good on you for yeah. for doing it and that's yeah. kind of quite amazing yeah well I, I just I'm thinking now I was, I was thinking it earlier when we were talking about sport but um, how it's been coming up in the news lately that a lot of kids aren't doing sport mm, anymore because mm. the parents are getting so involved and like Road taking, ru- taking them away from the game yeah. and trying to dissect every moment of it uh, like, where yeah. did you go wrong yeah. whereas the kid's just like I just wanted to play with my mates yeah. and go home and think about the next thing or, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah chase the ball around for a bit <laughs> yeah and this yeah I think we can get really caught up in this yeah like self flagellation yeah yeah yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, over analytical the, the really important I'm just gonna um, the important thing is uh have a fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've talked about a bunch of stuff. Is there anything that you need to plug that we haven't mentioned or anything you wanted to bring up that um, I haven't? Uh, yeah, no, not hugely. I mean, everybody should absolutely go and see Cock of at course. Circuit Theatre. Yeah. It's a fucking great play. And as I'm being genuine as well when I say when I saw it at Auckland, I think it was the, the mm. best play I've ever seen. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing in that it's literally what you think is going to oh this is a spoiler but I think it's going to be three actors in space and then someone pops up at the end and it's fucking at perfect timing um but yeah no props or set to cloud the thing you just get to focus mm. on the drama and the comedy of the scene constantly mm. and um your allegiances change all throughout it it's just really a live edge of your seat mm. kind of mm. the heart of what theatre should be and then um Please also come and see my pantomime, Alice in yeah. Wonderland. Like, yeah. yeah, the stakes are so high, putting the, my money where my mouth when is. When does the panto start? It usually starts about the middle to end of November, doesn't That's it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, so, it's a long season. Yeah, seven-week season. Yeah. So you have a little break for Christmas and then you come back. That's right, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I feel like we open on maybe the 20th of November-ish. Um, yeah, and then we run up until Christmas season, usually. And yeah. then there's, yeah, return season. It's like the second until the thirteenth of January or something yeah, like that. But yeah, yeah and it, it's legitimately fun for the whole family. Yeah, no, like, no, I've been to the last three or four in a row, and, yeah. a, and a few when they first started when, when when it was very much the Roger Hall pantomime. Mm. I went to a few of those too. Yeah, and you know I didn't have a kid. I didn't have, I, I didn't yeah. have a horse in that race yeah, in that yeah. sense, and we just went along to them and enjoyed them. Yeah. But yeah. So what you do you do find a lot of um, baby boomers and kids going, yes. but man. Millennials should show up and, and yes. Gen, Gen Xers should show up to the, because that's who's performing it and that's yes. who's writing it now as yeah. well. Because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there for everybody, and it's, um, yeah, it's never going to be as like as childy as you think it's going to be, yeah. and it's never going to be, it's not going to be as um, bawdy as you think it's going to be as well. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lovely mix um, that we've found at Circa, so yeah, everyone should check it out. Awesome. Hey, well, it's been, I mean, I've, I've watched you do plays over the years, but this is the first time we've actually talked yeah. and I met, so it's been a nice way to meet you. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, I'm really glad this happened. <laughs>